the windfish in name only, for it is neither. This is Legendary Adventures Podcast. This week in Link's Awakening, we're rescuing Bow Wow and taking a walk through the swamp to Bottle Grotto. After leaving Tell Cave, Link is again greeted by the owl. It says the instrument Link acquired is one of the instruments of the Sirens. While it had doubts about Link being the hero who would save the windfish, the owl is coming around. It tells him that seven more instruments are needed and directs him to Gopanga Swamp. It's possible for players to reach the swamp before heading to Tell Cave. It's located north of the mysterious forest. However, players who venture into the swamp early will find they can't do much there. There are dangerous flowers blocking the path and the entrance to the dungeon. As players leave Tell Cave, they have no way to get past those flowers, but as soon as they enter Mabe Village, the two boys playing outside the library rush up to Link. They say Moblins attacked and made off with Bow Wow. That's the large chain chomp that's generally chained outside Madame Meow Meow's house. She confirms her pet is missing, and it's up to Link to find it. I suspect most players will have an idea of where to go, but for players who don't, it'll be up to them to explore. At this point, however, only a fraction of Koholint Island is available to the player, so it shouldn't take long. Just outside the northeast exit of the forest, there is a circle of holes. In the center, there's a cross-shaped piece of land with a piece of heart inside. Players can use Rock's Feather to leap to the center and collect the heart. They can then leap over the holes to the north to proceed to a previously unreachable part of Koholint. This area both borders the Swamp and Taltal Heights, the mountainous region of the island. But players don't have to go far. Just to the east as players leap over the hole, there's a cave with ornate decorations around the entrance. This is the Moblin Hideout. Inside, players will have to clear two rooms of enemies before taking on King Moblin in the third room. This is a boss fight, but a fairly simple one. King Moblin hurls spears towards Link. After a couple of throws, he beats his chest, lowers his head, and rushes forward in an attempt to ram Link with his horns. If players move quickly out of the way, the Moblin will run into the wall. He'll be stunned temporarily, making him vulnerable to sword strikes. After three or so rounds of this, King Moblin falls. Bow Wow's in the next room. As Link leads Bow Wow by his leash, Bow Wow will lunge forward to eat nearby enemies. If the player returns to Madame Meow Meow, she'll ask Link to take Bow Wow for a walk, so players can head straight for Kaponga Swamp. In the swamp, Bow Wow will eat the flowers that previously blocked the path. In the Game Boy version of the game, the entrance to Dungeon 2 Bottle Grotto is completely blocked off by these flowers, meaning this will be the player's only chance to enter the dungeon. If the player wants all the treasure that's inside, they need to be careful to get it all on this visit. The Switch remake adds a single stone to the blockade, meaning players will be able to re-enter at a later time if they choose. The music for Bottle Grotto begins with a frantic trilling sound on the higher notes before giving away to a deeper, more ominous section. The melody from Tell Cave can be heard, but it's played at a faster tempo. We also hear a melody from Super Mario World mixed in. It's the Ghost House melody. Take a listen. Here's Super Mario World's Ghost House for comparison. In terms of theming, 
Bottle Grotto is stronger than Tail Cave. The theme itself is still a little generic, though. The dungeon's shaped like a bottle. It's filled with jars, or maybe we should call them bottles. They line the walls and they form blockades. Players enter the dungeon at the base of the bottle on the left side. The theme is clear right from the first room. There are a couple rows of jars surrounding a treasure chest on the west wall of the first room. Players begin unable to lift these heavy jars, but that will change once players find the dungeon item. Players will have to double back to claim this first chest, but it's completely optional. I generally grab it after completing the dungeon. I just double back upon exiting to grab the chest. The progression of Bottle Grotto is not too complex, but it's clearly a step above Tail Cave. I'm going to walk through the highlights. To the east, players will face two Stalthos. Defeating them grants a key. Players have a choice here to backtrack to the locked door in the previous room in order to acquire the stone beak, or they can use a key on a door to the south to get the compass. I personally did the latter. I backtracked following a later key in order to get the stone beak. While the stone beak is optional, I would recommend new players get it. It's more or less essential to acquiring the nightmare key beyond a lot of trial and error. The Nightmare Key is found in a room that forms the right or eastern side of the neck of the bottle. Three enemies must be defeated in a specific order to get the key. An owl statue at the base of the left or western side of the neck of the bottle reveals the order. A side-scrolling area connects the two rooms. This area can only be reached after the dungeon item, the Power Bracelet, is obtained, meaning players will not tackle this challenge until the end of the dungeon. With the power bracelet equipped, players can lift jars, rocks, and skulls. This dungeon introduces crystal switches for the first time in Link's Awakening. These switches were pretty common in A Link to the Past. Players must hit a crystal switch in order to raise or lower blocks in order to advance. In the Game Boy versions of the games, the blocks are all a single color. In the Switch version, they are blue and orange. I'll be referring to them by the Switch colors. Crystal switch mechanics are introduced quickly over a span of four rooms. Players will first encounter a pair of orange blocks lowered into the floor. This means we can advance no problem. But in the next room, we have to drop a row of blue blocks in order to advance. After that, we have to lower orange blocks not only to advance, but to claim a chest. Then, we have to cross a room using Rock's Feather, all while changing the position of the blocks in order to advance and to collect a treasure chest. A fifth room features a final twist on the Crystal Switch concept. It's located in the lip of the jar in the third room from the left. We will only be able to take on this challenge after we have acquired the dungeon item and we're approaching the end of the dungeon. We have to walk on raised blocks to open a chest. There are multiple ways to attack this section. How players do it will depend on the orientation of the switches from earlier in the dungeon. The room's divided into an upper path and a lower path by a bottomless pit running down the center. If the orange blocks are down, we can lift a few jars to take the upper path in the room. We'll walk across the lowered orange blocks to the middle of the room where there's a single block preventing us from moving forward. We lower the blue block to be raised up on top of the orange. Then we walk onto the blue and raise it before moving on to get the chest. Players can then double back and switch the blocks again to continue east. If the blue blocks are down, we have to take the lower path. We again lift jars to proceed. Then when we are opposite the crystal switch, we use rock's feathers to jump across the gap, change the position of the blocks, claim the chest, and then proceed east. Let's talk about some standout enemies introduced in this dungeon. First, there are Shy Guys. These are enemies from the Mario series. They mirror Link's movement. They can only be damaged from behind. Players will have to defeat one to claim the compass, and two to acquire a key. Of interest, that key falls on the opposite side of a wall, meaning players will have to backtrack in order to claim it. 
Players will run into another set of Mario enemies when it comes time to claim the power bracelet, the boos or ghosts from Mario. In the Game Boy game, these ghosts only vaguely resemble the boos we know today. In the Switch version, however, they're a complete match. The item room is located in the top left or west room on the lip of the bottle. Players have to light a pair of torches to drive the boos from the room and claim the power bracelet. To get the dungeon map, players will have to deal with a black hole-like enemy. It's located in the left or western side of the neck of the jar. This enemy pulls Link and other enemies towards it and attempt to get them to fall down a hole. Link can fight against the pull simply by walking in the opposite direction. All the other enemies will be defeated for Link, revealing a chest with the map. Let's talk about the bosses now. The mini-boss is the Hinox. It's located in the top left or west room in the body of the bottle. The Hinox is a much larger version of the Cyclops enemy introduced in A Link to the Past. It hurls bombs at Link. It can grab him and hurl him across the room. There are cracks on the floor that players will have to avoid, but they're largely around the upper edge of the area, with only small patches on the lower part of the arena, so avoiding a fall is not too difficult. I was able to defeat the Hinox quickly without taking damage in my DX playthrough of the dungeon. It only threw bombs at me in that version of the game. I did take damage, however, while playing the Switch version. In that version, it never threw a bomb, but it did manage to grab me and throw me multiple times. Once the Hinox is defeated, players will get a fairy, and a portal to the dungeon entrance appears. The boss of this dungeon is Genie. It's a much more talkative boss than Moldorm. Genie taunts Link, saying that it's invulnerable as long as it has its bottle, and it offers other hints. This fight has significant changes between the versions. Right away, players will notice that the arena is different between the two versions. In the Game Boy version, the north wall is smaller than the other walls, giving the room kind of a bottle shape. There are also two torches near the center of the room. In the first phase of the fight, Genie will post up between these torches. In the Switch version, the room is square and the torches are gone. In the first phase of the fight, players must destroy Genie's bottle. An additional hint that Link's sword cannot damage the bottle was added to the deluxe version, and the Switch version takes it a step further by directly hinting that Link must throw the bottle against the walls to damage it. Genie will first attack by throwing fireballs at Link. In the Game Boy version, it flies back and forth between the torches throwing fireballs. In the Switch version, it stays in one place and directly takes aim at Link as it throws. Once it runs out of fireballs, it will return to the bottle and start hopping towards Link. Players must hit the bottle with the sword, then use the power bracelet to lift it and throw it against the wall. After three throws, the bottle breaks. Genie, of course, is not happy about this. The second round of the fight begins. In the Game Boy versions, Genie will charge Link. After taking a hit from players, it will throw a fireball and then charge Link again. In the Switch version, Genie makes two copies of itself and circles around Link. Eventually, one copy disappears, and Genie throws a fireball at Link before charging him. After a few hits, it falls, awarding a heart container and allowing Link to collect the second instrument of the Sirens, the Conkhorn. After collecting the horn, players receive a mysterious telepathic message telling them to go to the prairie. Our journey will take us further down the Straw Millionaire quest and to Canalette Castle before traveling to Key Cavern. If you'd like to follow along, please subscribe.
If you're liking this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend, leaving a like, or leaving a review on your favorite podcasting app. I'm Paul Riley. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.